Welcome to another episode of the E&E Show, where we'll talk about equipping and enabling believers worldwide to share the gospel and make disciples. I'm Bucky Elliott, the Media Director at International Commission, and today I'm really excited about our conversation where we're going to talk about mobilizing indigenous leaders to share the gospel where they are and, and learn from them. Uh, today, my guest is Dr. Chris Nyanikin. He's a husband, a father of two. He's the professor of theology and global studies at Liberty University and the director of leadership development at Christar. You can learn more about his qualifications, his education and degrees and things like that and the show details. Uh, one thing you need to know is that he loves uh, motivating and mobilizing people to the mission field and uh, to mentor the next generation. You also need to know that I'm going to call him Dr. G, as many uh, who know him do, many students do, uh, and so I will as well for this program. Welcome, Dr. G. Thank you for joining us. Bucky, delighted to be with you in this program and appreciate all that International Commission does. Yes, sir. Thank you for, for coming on. Uh, what else do we need to know about you? Well, uh, you said it all. I mean, uh, I, I often... Uh, give a cheesy way and someone says what do you do and it's the elevator speech that I prepared you know and I say doing what most others don't won't and can and, and, and they're like what in the what is that what is that others don't and or won't or, or can't and basically I think what we're going to unpack Bucky from what I hear from you is the challenge of getting the Great Commission accomplished you know yeah. uh, focusing on the Lee Street so the only thing Jesus asked us to do as his followers is to make it disciples. Disciple making. I mean, that's the only main verb in the Great Commission. All the others are participles into how we do it. So we evangelize. Those we evangelize, we baptize. Those we baptize, we stabilize. But if you don't mobilize, we're not going to complete that cycle and not going to create a movement. So that's the thing I do. Uh, I mentor and uh, mobilize for missions uh, in and among the unreached people group. What's the thing that others won't do? And I think that is where I come in as to leave our comfort zones, not only to make disciple makers. I, I don't use the word make disciples because it stops. But if we say make a disciple maker, there's a built-in reproduction in the, in the noun disciple maker. Um, and so I focus on what Krista calls the least reached people groups. Uh, my definition of mission is taking the name to the nations. And many nations of ethne.com, you know, you're talking about uh -huh. yeah. ethnic groups, don't know the name. So that's the thing I do. And the thing that others can't that I do, by advantage of me having an overseas uh, citizen of India passport, I can go to countries of restricted access. I don't think most Americans have been to North Korea or even to Uganda or, or Laos. And so that's uh, basically doing, doing what others don't, won't, and can. Excellent. Um, so I'm excited to hear a little bit more uh, from you about how Chris Starr does this. I'm curious to hear uh, what kinds of barriers do keep unreached peoples, lesser reached peoples, uh, from knowing and worshiping God? Well, excellent question. You know, the word, Bucky, that comes to my mind immediately is the word access. Access. Now, people often say, hey, Dr. G, what do you mean you go to these least reads, unreached people groups? I mean, aren't there people 
right downtown DC where I am, who don't know the name uh, apart from a swear word, of course. And, and I say, yes, but I go to people who cannot even take the name of God in vain. What do you mean? Well, they never heard it once. So you can see there are several barriers. I just want to name the top three. Number one, the heart language. I mean, people don't understand that the most of the world don't speak English. <laughs> uh, God revealed himself, uh, yes, but uh, they say that Tyndale gave God the English voice, but you know, who's going to give these people the voice of God in their heart language? So that's the first barrier. The second barrier is political. Uh, and you can see, I mean, I understand now there's travel bans because of the, pand uh, the pandemic. But even before that, Bucky, and even after that, there are some countries that are against what they call proselytizing. And particularly coming from America, they are scared that we're there to make rice Christians, somehow allure them or entice them or even coerce them uh, to become, to change religion, so to say. So I think that's the second big barrier. The third, I think, is a cultural barrier. You know, there are major differences that create the us and them. They think we have a rich Jesus. They don't realize we live on credit cards in America, but they think all Americans are Christian. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then they have issues like, oh, all Americans wear two-piece uh, bikinis, uh, bathing suits. And you can see immediately there are cultural barriers uh, that are set up in the way in which we live and communicate the life of Christ. But but God, God has given us a mandate of the Great Commission. He's also given us the, the promise that He will accomplish these things and, and that He will be with us. And something that we know and that I know Chris Starr likes to, likes to focus on is that God will create after right? Uh, but He uses us. And uh, so how does, how are some of the ways that God does create access to the gospel? And what is the role of churches in taking Jesus, taking the name of Jesus places where it's not? Well, excellent question. You know, uh, often I'm based out of the U.S. Um, again, I come from India and I work in about at least 12 countries a year I travel average. Um, and when you think about God, uh, I think about a God who is longing to reveal himself and who is already at work. Uh, recently, I was talking about a few guys who were surfers. <laughs> and uh, I have, I, I'm not good at surfing. I tried it and fell a few times. I'm scared of waves, I guess. But you know, yeah, it's, it's hard to surf well if you're afraid to be in the water, I guess. And it's hard to create a wave. But I tell you what, it's easy to catch one and ride it. And uh, Bucky, that's what we do. We find out how God is at work. So in Nepal, for instance, I mean, if there's a, a coffee plantations, uh, we work among them. In Cambodia, there's already issues of humanitarian and trafficking. So we go walk along the people and say, hey, how can we assist you? So gone are the days, uh, Bucky, I call it the pulpit pew approach, you know, where we have the resources and you guys need it. That creates dependency, as yes. you can imagine. Today, there's a round table. We all come to the round table. We bring our own gifts and uniqueness. And that's where we create what I call the globality of missions, global and local, yeah. where local trends are creating global waves and global waves are affecting the local culture. I like that. I like that. 
And so in some places, uh, the, the gospel has gone forward and, and there are established uh, disciple-making movements, Christ-word movements where, where local churches exist, uh, but they are surrounded by loss. They, they're, they're surrounded by people who, who still have not heard and believed the name of Jesus. How can they best uh, multiply disciples? Yeah. Well, um, I often tell my church planters uh, the story uh, of two elephants and ask them, you know, uh, how long does it take a, a, a male and female elephant to reproduce? And they go, oh, we, I think it's about 20, 25 years. And I say, you're right. I said, how many elephants uh, or calves uh, do they give birth? And they're like, mm, one, and it's done. <laughs> I said, well, what's the gestation period? And they're like, whoa, it takes three to four years before they can get another one calf. Oh, I say, okay. Um, rabbits. And you can hear the whole, the whole room. <laughs> I haven't even asked the question. They're like, okay, we get it. So you realize that rabbits can multiply in months and they litter like eight to 12 at a time. And then in a few months, two months, they're ready to go out again. Uh, Bucky, I am convinced when Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. Do you think you wanted us to be elephants or, or rabbits? Rabbits for sure. So that's what I do. I create rabbits. And you know what I found out? Small and simple is reproducible. I mean, and things that have happened recently in America with celebrity leaders morally falling with all kinds of attrition with the, with the funds and with this whole us and them syndrome. Uh, Bucky, there is no doubt in my mind after 28 years of serving cross-culturally at the global level, that partnership is the only way forward. Uh, I'm so glad that you said that. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. We we get to see the, the benefit of that and, and be a part of that here at IC. So let, let's talk a little bit uh, more about that then. Um, can you can you tell us a story maybe of a, a place where you have seen this multiplication happen and what were the factors that that led to the success there? Let me talk about Vietnam. Uh, Vietnam, as you know, uh, is uh, what they would call limited access. Uh, Bucky, there's three levels of restriction. Uh, one is closed country. So when you think about Laos or North Korea, obviously it's closed. That is no one even within the country can go around proselytizing, or, you know. Then there's limited access where they allow foreigners to come, but we are very strictly humanitarian. And then they are limited, but not restricted in so far as we can work with nationals. Now, how do we do that? Let me tell you a story. Uh, about um, oh, 14 years ago, I started working in Ho Chi Minh City, capital of Vietnam. Uh, again, from the major city, uh, we would have uh, what they call flat churches and everybody live in these huge flats, they call it, in our skyscrapers. And so we planted little Bible study groups, small and simple is reproducible. You know, when I went back and I told them the focus, and, and this is what my tagline is, Bucky, don't call it outreach if it's not focused on the unreached. Let me say that again. Don't call it outreach unless it's focused on the unreached. It's based out of Romans 15, 20, where Paul says, I make it my ambition not to preach where Christ is already preached. I don't want to build yeah. on another man's foundation. 
And so that's what happened. So next year I go, Bucky, and the guy calls me. He goes, uh, Dr. J, uh, are you coming? I said, yes. He said, you booked your ticket? I said, yes. He said, oh. I said, well, he said, remember you told us about reproducing and going to Henri? I said, yeah. He said, we've been thinking about it the last six months. Uh, can can we actually move, can we can we go to Hanoi instead of instead of Ho Chi Minh? I said why? He said Hanoi has very few churches, no no foreign missions. So guess what? It's better for me to pay the hundred and twenty dollars cancellation fee than get you know thirty guys come. So we go up to Hanoi, and you know who trained them, Bucky? It is these nationals who I'd equipped for the last two to three years. They were the ones who were training their own people, but in Hanoi, the old city. Now, the story's not over. There's one more part to it. So I come back, and a year, two years, Hanoi. Again, Hoi calls me, Dr. G, you booked ticket already? I said, yeah, I mean, what happened now? He said, oh, you remember you taught us? I said, I know what I taught you. What happened now? He said, we want focus on Andres. He said, uh, can you cancel and come same place? And he said, come two weeks later. I said, why? You know what he said to me, Bucky, I'll never forget. He said, he said, the Hamong people, this is in Mongolia, the border. He said, they want to join. They have never heard Jesus. So we'll have to let them come by bus, by ferry, by walk. And when I go there, Bucky, I, can, I still have it. Three layers. It's amazing. The Ho Chi Minh people training the Hanoi people who trained the Chem and the Homong, the Mongol. Tell me, that is how it moves. Nationals reaching nationals. I love it. I love it. Uh, and it sounds like a, a little taste of the, of the kingdom of heaven to me. When we see, of course, you know, the, the picture in Revelation is what comes into our heads of people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, every ethne, uh, worshiping together, right? Because that's the goal, is, is, is for us to worship together. Um, but of course, uh, until, until heaven, until the fulfillment of everything, you know, one day Jesus is going to come back and set it all right and worship together. But right now, uh, we've got a job to do. And it's, it's beautiful when we see people doing that. Uh, together, uh, so, something I think of is a is a uh, a well-known quote from John Piper, and it's something he's, he says fairly often: is that, that missions exist because worship doesn't. Yes. And so there are many, many places in the world, many, many peoples in the world, where they don't know the true living God. They don't know His Word. Uh, they don't worship him. Many of the places I go to, Bucky, they have a wonderful voice to sing. And they say, you know, what's the goal of missions? And I usually tell them to grow the choir. <laughs> I like, like it. What do you mean grow the choir? I said, this is a back to the future approach. I said, imagine every nation, kindred, tongue, and tribe will be singing. I said, some people can't sing. You know why? They don't know the song. You know why they don't know the song? Nobody's told them about the name, the new song of salvation. So when you get these voices, then the goal of mission is really to grow the choir. And if they can worship God, they have to know his name. And to know his name, who's going to take it? That's where mission kicks in. That's awesome. That is that is awesome. Amen. In the West, we, we traditionally think of missions as 
uh, churches, working with an organization uh, in the West to send a Westerner to a place where the gospel has not been preached. Um, but you're telling some stories about places where nationals are reaching other nationals. You're talking about places where where the gospel is being preached and, and people are becoming worshipers of God where we can't even go, where someone like me can't even can't even visit. Yes. So tell our viewers who have that concept that missions is sending somebody from the bottom to the global south. What missions can look like when it's all local? All right. Well, today, Bucky, the world has shrunk and we are all wired together. You know, globalization we talked yes. about. And uh, there are places where people have never heard the gospel. You know, what bugs me is when I think of Coca-Cola, did you know Coke, the company, has gone to every nation in the world? but the name of Jesus hasn't. And it kind of bothers me because when did the Coke company start? 200, 300 years ago? All right. When was the Great Commission given? 2,000 years ago. Now, logically, Bucky, if Jesus gave the Great Commission to the Coke company, they would have got it done. What is wrong with the church? So let me tell you, I think the issue, Bucky, is what I call the seven Fs of mobility i'll just mention it maybe another day we can pick this up but i think it will give our viewers a little bit of an appetite and and a sense of urgency and the need to get implicated in this movement so the first is i've already mentioned the first f is fluency in language god speaks to me in my heart language think about you know the, the painstaking thing i work in bhutan and even now, Bucky, did you know they don't have the Old Testament in the Donka language? My colleague Sunam is now completing the translation in the king of Bhutan's language, Donka. Now, why should we hear the gospel again and again when people have never heard it once? That, that's an issue of justice. The second F is what I call faces fit. You know, it's wonderful when you go, they, they immediately you know the foreigners have come. What do they understand? There's no solidarity in our suffering. But when the face fits, they listen carefully because there's no us and them. Well, the third is what I call familiarity with culture. You know, I, I have to tell my friends from the West when they come, don't put your Gideon New Testament in your back pocket and then take it out and shake somebody's hand. In my country, you, you never even touch a person in the left hand. We do a few other things with our left hands. So you don't take a Bible and put it in your bum and say, hey, here's something good to read. But you don't know that. So I think that's the culture's familiarity. The fourth reason, forget the visa and passports. Bucky, this will shock you. And this is very simple, but very solemn for me. We're talking about closed countries. But no country is truly closed if you have the key, right? No door is closed if you got the key. Here's the the key is on the inside. Do you understand? That? Right. I mean, this is That's a right. very important concept. If it's closed, yes. But if you have the key, it's not closed. But where's the key? It's on the yeah. inside bucket. Right. So that is why we need to work. Number five, family. You know, I remember when I went to do my PhD, I was sitting in Oxford in the Bodilian 
in, in the gloomy skies and then it leaves and I long for my family. I was so lonely. And you know, we had third culture kids. They don't like America now. They, they can't go back or they, they, they won't like America and they hate the land their fathers took them. But if they are nationals, Bucky, you're not separating them from their family. You know what the sixth reason is? Follow. If they're inside, you don't need a follow. You don't need to say, oh, I break, I got to raise funds. And, and that brings me to the fifth important reason, finances. Did you know it's more than seven to 10% cheaper to work with nationals than to send a Western missionaries yes. to raise support and put them there? Now, Bucky, tell me, in the urgency of Christ's return, for these seven reasons, fluency of language, faces fit, familiarity with the culture, forget your visa and passport, family beside you, follow not needed, and financially viable. Win, 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 win. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, all you see there is advantage. Yes. That all of those are, are advantages of partnering with nationals to reach nationals in, in the same or near culture. It's, uh, it seems so obvious. It, yes. it seems like it's well to someone who's experienced that to you know okay. to somebody who, who has seen this in action uh and at, at ic we have what we call national to national project which is really really the bulk of our work it's just what's not seen as much done because you know the the most of the focus of the of our public face here in, the, in north america is focused on sending you know uh sending short term and because a lot of the work happens in places that we just can't reveal. We, we can't give you specifics. But the reality is that a, a national to national project, uh, which is churches coming together to, to train and to share the gospel, make disciples, to follow up with that and to multiply that. A whole project can be funded for what it costs to send one American on a short term mission. Now we still do that because that partnership is very important and places right. where we can send them. Uh, but that's the reality is uh, these these nationals, they already know the language. They already know uh, how to reach those who are there. They know the culture, of course. It's their culture or a very near culture. Uh, travel is less expensive. Um, they are a lot less spoiled and needy than Americans. Sorry, it's the truth. And uh, all those reasons that you pointed out as well. Um, they're, they're home already. There's, there's no furlough needed, uh, they're there long-term. And so the follow-up is built in because those relationships already exist. And so that that's one of the huge strengths uh, of that. And so I, I love hearing you say that. And I love uh, hearing some of the stories that you shared earlier about, about that multiplication. Uh, that's, that's really awesome. Uh, now, some places there uh, are, are churches, there are leaders who have been uh, trained in the gospel, they have been trained uh, theologically. Uh, how does that best happen? Where, where we're preparing leaders who then are shepherding these churches and multiplying fellowships. Well, leadership is my heartbeat. Um, everything, Bucky, either rises or falls on leadership. And I think Paul knew that strategy in Acts chapter 14. And when he was in that area of Lystra and Derby, he got beaten up. But yet, he continued to preach the gospel. The product was disciple making. And those disciples 
were put in local faith communities through baptism. And you know what else he did? He went around and appointed elders. Even when you think about the pastoral epistles, first and second Timothy and Titus was basically written to encourage them to appoint elders <laughs> on leadership because Paul knew the key was not hanging out there. He knew it, was, it had to be transferred. And uh, the way we do it, Bucky, at least the way I have really seen it so effective, you don't wait for somebody to go to Bible college and come back. And the, the thing, especially in the West, they don't go back to their national, to their yeah. country. They yeah. get stuck in England and the West and they, they lose their love and everything else. What I think we need to do is to bring them best of both worlds to show them the value of culture, to let them realize the burden. I mean, uh, I still have my Indian passport and, and I, I'm glad for my roots. I've got wings, but I'll never forget my roots because that's my advantage. I go to my people, I sing uh, Hindi songs, I watch Bollywood movies. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's who I am. And uh, I think why should we take the boy out of the farm and the farm out of the boy? I think there's something built in there, uh, Bucky. So what I do is when it comes to leadership training, I give them what they call it. I call a TLTL. That is a task list and a timeline to reproduce. And I mentor them and make them accountable. So they have their own vision, mission statement. They have their own task list and timeline. And you know what? we do a 360 review. I think you're familiar with the 360 review. You set and assess yourself. You get your colleagues to literally iron, sharpen, iron. And then I come around and they're like, okay, Dr. G, uh, are we fulfilling all that we learned together? I give them a top-down review. And you know what's the most effective review? 360. The fourth one is when the people whom you are ministering are assessing you without a name. So they will critique you and say, you know what, I, this could be done better. This was great, but I wish it was different. And this was what I needed. And then we probably need more of that next time. That's the best feedback from the people because the teacher hasn't taught till the student has learned. And that kind of a review, I think is very helpful in leadership development. That's, so you're, you're talking about learning from the students in a way. And I think that I think that's a really valuable thing. I think when, when we were talking about training or missions, uh, uh, we need to approach it with humility and to learn as much as we can learn. So uh, if you can name one really important thing that that we in the West can learn from these indigenous leaders, what, what is that? Oh, absolutely. I think the whole aspect of community, it comes to my mind instantly. You know, we live in an employer-employee situation. The, the rest of the world lives in what they call a patron-client system. We live in everything is time. Look, look, we have to finish this program. You got another way. Everything is chronos, tick-tock. We can learn about kairos. Yes. Learn to enjoy relationships. Not the right time, but the right time. Relational is more important than transactional. And all that takes place in community bucket. And so when I go to these fields, uh, eight to nine, even 10 countries a year, oh my word, they think I've come to teach them. They don't realize how much uh, I have learned, you know, because when it comes to community, community is not taught, it's caught. You experience that. And I think we here in the West can really learn 
And look, what I what's the biggest problem in America? I'll tell you what, it's not economic crisis, not about the war, the education of political issues. The biggest crisis in America is the fragmentation of the family and the need for community, the unit of the church. And Bucky, we can learn what it means not only to belong to Jesus, but to belong to one another. Absolutely. And something, I can't say that any better, but I would like to add one thing, and that is that um, when I've had the privilege to, to travel uh, internationally and to partner with uh, churches overseas, one thing that impacts me every time, that humbles me every time, is hospitality. Mm. And the high value that that has in so many cultures around the world um, that seems to be foreign to us here in North America in a lot of ways, to, to, uh, particularly to um, Anglo believers here in North America that don't have that same value of hospitality. Mm. Uh, it's been said that uh, in some parts of the world, when there's a knock on the door, you panic because you don't know what to put on the table. In the United <laughs> States, there's a knock on the door and you panic because you don't want anybody to show up and you want to, you know, quick, pretend nobody's here, right? You don't want to interrupt your show, you're not dressed, whatever. And our, just our response to having somebody come to our home is completely different. And it just signifies that, that our worldview is different, our value systems are different, but it does create a challenge for us uh, when we're trying to connect with people, when we're trying to build relationships with people. We can't expect someone to change their, their entire culture and worldview, but I do think that we should learn uh, and adopt uh, some of those some of those values of hospitality uh, to reach our own neighbors. I think the curse of the American society is the garage door. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to get to know my new neighbors, but they, I, all I can see is a car drive open sesame, the car goes close sesame, and that's the end. Whereas, you know, I grew up in a place where I threw my garbage into the neighbor's compound. We had a fight, and then we got to know each other, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so next time you're worried about their fence or their dog getting out or that tree that's rubbing up on your have a conversation with them. And you know what? Sometimes there's going to be conflict, but you can use that. Uh, to build a relationship and present the gospel. You just have to be creative about it and follow the spirit, I think. But yeah, it's a different approach, isn't it? Well, uh, technically, Bucky, as you know, uh, the word hospitality is not even understood in the West because it's like reciprocal. You know, I did this for you. I took you out. Now you show me hospitality. You invite me to your home. The technical word for hospitality in scripture is to show kindness to strangers. Now tell me, what better way to do missions than to the stranger? Yeah. And it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Amen. And you know what, Bucky? A.W. Tozer was right. The missing jewel in American evangelism is hospitality. And the more you open not just your wallet or even your house, you open your house in order to open their hearts. Does that make sense? Yes. So you can open your hand and say, let me give to missions. And I'm not saying that's wrong at all. We need people to give. But people who open their hands and give, who have not opened their houses to welcome, will not find people opening their hearts to Christ. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to take a minute for a quick plug here. And that is, we've been having some conversations about this, about how you can establish and build relationships with people who live around you 
uh, and and use that to pray for people intentionally. Tell them you're praying about them. Actually do that. Uh, show them love and share the gospel with them. We, we've been having some conversations about that on our E&E trainings, uh, interactive online training webinars that you can go and register for and learn a little bit more of how to do this practically. Uh, and so those tools are available and we have a storytelling with purpose toolkit that you can uh, download and learn some easy ways that you can present the gospel kind of break the ice and have a conversation about who jesus is and share the hope that you have and you can access that through our website to learn those tools but really not, none of that is going to happen and evangelism isn't going to happen if you don't have the desire to do that you don't have a love for the lord or for people and so i think prayer is just is, is the best place to start start praying for the people who live around you you know the the question who is my neighbor uh, can mean a lot of different things but if we just think about it literally uh, i mean it is it starts with the people who live right around you and that's the beginning of your mission field so man so much to learn i feel like we could we could camp out on that aspect of this topic for a long time and maybe we'll have another conversation about that but um thank you so much for uh sharing some of this wisdom sharing some of these stories with us uh, i hope it's valuable to you the the viewers and if you have any questions um for dr g uh how can we how can they send those to you they can just send it to chris at krista.org okay i will get and it we'll put that on the screen or see Nyanakin at Liberty. Either way, uh, I'll get it. .edu, of course. Yeah, Excellent. Or you can leave a, a comment here or send IC a message and we'll uh, get in touch with you. If you have other questions about missions, feel free to, to send those along and we'll respond. Or Dr. G can be, can be involved in well, as well and respond to those. Um, we've talked about uh, how to equip and enable believers to share the gospel. Um, so what better thing to do in response than to go and tell someone about Jesus. We hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe this for more conversations and stories from the mission field. Have a blessed day.